We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Pilato. Yes, we are recording these back-to-back. We don't typically do this, so for those of you already thinking, oh, why does he have the same shirt on? Well, it's the same day, and Nick has the same shirt on as well. Shout-out Church Street Bagels. Go shout-out my boy Frankie Bagels. Go get a bagel from there. Go get an egg sandwich. Get the Chipotle melt. You won't regret it. Line was apparently out the door the other day. One of our listeners said they tried to go and the line was, they, they couldn't. Line was out the door. That's a good sign for good business, if you ask me. But you get to check it out for yourselves and you let me know. And, and again, if you go in there, tell, tell, them, tell them you know Dan Schneier. All right. Tell them you know, uh, actually, tell them you know Explanation Dan. They'll, they'll know it. They'll, they'll know it. Explanation Dan. I might need an explanation on this nickname. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's a poker nickname. But, um, Oh. It's somewhat self-explanatory. I like to explain things a lot, uh, especially really? hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to talk. I like to hear the sound of my own voice. What a shocker! I'm a podcaster. But anyway, Nick, we're here today to talk about the Giants' defense on the All 22 film against the none only San Francisco 49ers. It's not good. It's not good. Okay. I feel like it's a little bit better than the than the offensive film, but it, it's overall not good, Nick. I, I want to start with a positive though. I was definitely, and I saw you wrote this in your notes too, Nick. I was definitely happy to see Wink Martindale have a more aggressive approach in this game than he had against the Arizona Cardinals. And he did. He blitzed Brock Purdy, I think, close to 80, was it 84% of the time he sent extra pass rushers in this game, Nick? I think uh, it was yeah, just on the pass. It was like 86% of Brock Purdy's drop backs. Yeah. And he came out with, according to True Media, 15.4% of the snaps in cover zero, which is something we didn't see a lot of last week and 19.1% of the snaps in cover one. So definitely a more bit, a bit of an aggressive game plan, Nick 53.8% zone, 34.6% man. i maybe want to start there, Nick, with the two things I brought up. One, what were your thoughts on the more aggressive approach blitzing Brock Purdy? I felt like it worked really well in the red zone. And then two, we're playing a lot more zone than I think that we expected the giants to play this year. What are your thoughts on that? First off, Kyle Shanahan is an absolute genius and yeah. so fun to watch. Having George Kittle, Debo Samuel, all that, it's it's just uh it would be fun to cover an offense like that. I'll say that much. And I do like the New York Giants offense. I'm not trying to take shots at him, but holy crap, he's a wizard with that personnel. In terms of the the pressure, I absolutely love it. The Giants were outmatched on offense. You can argue they were outmatched on defense. I would make that argument. So try to dictate. Pressure breaks pipes. 
And you can make the argument, Dan, that it worked early in the game. Because Brock Purdy, to me, early in that game was off almost through an interception to Deontay Banks, almost through an interception to Dory Jackson if it wasn't for George Kittle knocking the pass away. So just try to accelerate that kid's clock. But I got to say, the kid has a very good release. I think he did a very good job releasing the football right before the pressure actually got home in time in rhythm to his weapons who were able to create yards after the catch to an annoying rate. Just to, just to be honest, it was, it was, um, it was really bad, but man in zone. I just think the giants, they were, they were running a lot of man blitzes with a cover zero look zone coverage. It's just a lot of cover three to keep a net over yeah. the top. You don't want to run a lot of man coverage when you're losing in man coverage against guys like George Kittle and against players like Devo Samuel, who are so good at breaking one tackle. So you just give yourself a little bit more of a safety net to have zone defenders. I think that's one reason why. And a lot of it's just three match anyways. So it right. ends up devolving into man coverage once those routes are distributed. So that's where uh, that's where I think we see the, at least what what is it, zone or man? It ends up kind of being man, but it might be written down on paper as zone. I think that's fair. And I think that's something that sometimes true media misses. Maybe I want to talk about the first point you made, Brock Purdy. I was definitely impressed with him in this game on tape, considering how often he was blitzed. I think one thing Purdy does well, and this doesn't often get talked about, something Tua does well also, the way they kind of manipulate the pocket in the sense of just not wasting any steps and always understanding like where to shuffle to get to the throwing point, to get to the point where they can find their foundation, found, find their landmark to throw from, and then throw the football. I think it was best shown on the touchdown pass he had uh, to the undrafted or the seventh round pick out of Michigan. I'm forgetting his name, the, the one against Deontay Banks, Ronnie Bell. Uh, I just thought he did such a good job of that slide left, find that spot to throw with the pressure coming right at him from the A gap and just the anticipation on that oh, yeah. throw and also the lead on that throw. I mean, he throws that ball into space away from the, the the coverage. I just thought it was so well done on that play. A few other plays definitely stood out to that regard as well. I think he processes really good for a second year player. And I think what it comes down to also is that release. And that's something natural for a lot of these quarterbacks Tua has it as well. It's that quick release. The, the, the ability, like the throwing motion isn't as much of a loop or isn't as much of an over the top. It's just kind of that quick rip. And it worked really well against the Giants in this game because the 49ers had a lot of solutions for the blitzing. And you know when you're blitzing a team like this, eventually they're going to throw a screen. And the 49ers threw two really successful screens in this game, Nick. But one thing that continues to bother me and plague me a little bit about this Giants defense as I continue to watch more tape of them is I feel like the second level, Bobby Okereke specifically, and you yeah. can throw in McFadden to this as well, but mostly Okereke, they're just so slow to react to everything. Everything just feels like slow motion. And it feels like, you know, when Okereke is trying to come over that screen, he's getting washed or he's not making it in time. And there's so few plays of him. And there are some plays of it, but there's so few plays of him aggressively attacking a gap or, you know, this defense dictating in that way. It just seems like they're, they're, they're on their heels a lot at that second level. And I don't see that from the 49ers second level. I know it's the best second level in football. I get it, but I'm looking at them as the, you know, what it's supposed to look like, what it's supposed to be the model example. And then our example I'm looking at, and it leads me to believe, man, at this point it's, and I'll ask you about the two, the two big additions we made, because I thought the other one had a very disappointing game as well and a tougher matchup for sure. Ashawn Robinson, I've been incredibly yeah. disappointed with him so far. I mean, they paid him $8 million. He was, I thought he was going to be a really good trench player. But it leads me to question, Nick, what are your thoughts so far on what we've gotten out of Okereke and Ashawn Robinson this year? Because it's been a little disappointing, to say the least. A little disappointing would be mild. The Giants struggle to fit counter. That's something that we've gone over how many times on this damn podcast. Too many to mention. Well, what team runs GH counter very well? A team that doesn't even run it all that often, the San Francisco 49ers. 
So they were running GH counter. They were running so many just creative things. I swear the combo blocks with, with George Kittle and Trent Williams, it's, you could just write it home. It's just textbook type material. And then how they use the jet motioning player to lead block, to help uproot the end man on the line of scrimmage, all this stuff that they do. It's going to throw off those second level defenders. And the way the giants wink Martindale tasked these second level defenders to play GH counter, because they know it's a liability. They just ran Bobby Okereke right to the run fit every single time to blow everything up and to spill it. So Kyle Shanahan got that in his head. Second drive, they run a play action off of that, hit a big play off of a dig. And they just kept pulling their linemen. And basically, because the Giants would employ these, these tight fronts where you have a nose and then you have two four techniques. When they ran these play action type passes, they would kick their backside guard over, looking like it's going to be a pulling type of play to block Kayvon Thibodeau, Jihad Ward, or whoever it was, and have Trent Williams just take the four technique, which he dominated. And a lot of the times it was Robinson. And look, Ashawn Robinson, he got punched in the face by Trent Williams. You can argue that Trent Williams should have been kicked out of the game. That was the least disrespectful thing that Trent Williams did to Ashawn Robinson in the game. I'm not lying. Like, it was that bad. Like, yeah. Trent Williams was throwing him around. There were times throughout the film where I just saw giant defenders just on the ground, just getting tossed. They were absolutely out physical in this game like what's the best way to put that because i feel like that's a, a clunky way to phrase it they were just out muscled yeah like, i mean i like how physical i know it's not technically a word but i, I think that's the best yeah. way to describe it but dude it, it, you just watch the tape and you're just like they're just getting pushed around up front and then when debo samuel or george kittle caught the football they just couldn't get those guys on the ground it was a very demoralizing type of loss from the defensive standpoint. I get you're outmatched, but when you're just getting just bitched at the point of attack, there does come a time where you're like, bro, like has this defense actually improved? I get that we added people, right? Is it actually improved? I think it still is. On paper, it has improved on the reality of the film is it's definitely not an improved defense. I'm still trying to figure out why it's taken such a, a step opponent. Back, I think the opponent, that's what I'm yeah. going to hope for. But if it, it's similar against it's Seattle, similar against Arizona. No, that's true. But Arizona might be, Low-key they might weirdly good. be able to run block. I don't know how or why, Dude, but they, they are able to run block somehow. Some of the plays, too, were very fun. I actually like watching some of that kind of stuff on film. But the Giants, they they just it, – it's too much to handle. When, when you already have those type of liabilities, I can't fit this, and then you overcompensate to fit it, and they run something off of it, which is just what Kyle Shanahan does from drive to drive and how they marry their run looks and their play action looks. It looks the freaking same. Giants were chasing. There were so many plays where the Giants would step to the run and then George Kittle is out to the flat, wide mm -hmm. open, nobody on him. And I think Micah McFadden had a very good football game, and we'll get into him and we'll run through some of his plays. But even with the tackles that he made, he's the leading tackler on the Giants. He had like three pretty bad missed tackles at the same yeah. time, just to put everything into context a little bit. But McFadden is still looking on tape, and I know there are different roles, Dan. Much better, much more decisive than Bobby Okereke. I know. That, that's upsetting. That's the part that is upsetting, yes. Bobby Okereke has had a really upsetting start to his Giants career. I thought we're going to be completely honest. And there was a little bit of projection coming over, right? Like he was assumed to play this role that they have for him, that Wink Martindale pinpoints, oh, I need a speedy linebacker. I want someone like this for my defense. But speedy is good. You know what else is good? Decisiveness and yeah. instincts at the linebacker position. I'm not questioning Bobby Okereke's instincts to that extent, but I am saying that it has looked like Micah McFadden has been more decisive. Like you even asked Carl Banks last week. I, I talked to him a little bit about this from the week two tape, and he was trying to make the case that, like, look, the issue with McFadden is he's actually reading things out right, but he's just been 
a little undecisive, a little slow, or just missing tackles. And you just brought that up. He's missed tackles in this game as well. But I don't think that issue for Bo- that the issue with Bobby Okereke is even you know a little bit worse. And I don't I, you know one thing I don't I asked. Remember the play that we went over that you said you didn't know what Bobby Okereke was doing last week, the red zone touchdown for James Conner. Yeah. You know, he made the case on my Twitter that like that wasn't as much on on McFadden or on I forget who else it was, the, the guy who lost the left guard. I, I'm forgetting which team. Jihad Ward. Jihad Ward. He's and I asked him, what about 58? And he said, good question type of thing. Like, you know, like we don't know. And it, a lot of what I feel like we've seen with Bobby O'Garrique has been this indecisiveness and this slowness at that second level. One of those screenplays, it's like you just see him flowing over to try to make the play. And he's just he's not ever move it doesn't even really ever look like he's moving that fast to me nick i guess that's the best way to describe it. and he had a couple tackles for loss i think last week so those plays for sure he looked like it but we need to see more of that decisiveness and that aggressiveness from okarake some of those tackles for a loss were also just him shooting the gap based on the gh you read your run right. keys then you react and that's how the run keys got used against the giants later in the game off of play action but i kind of made that case in week two as well and i got you know my asshole ripped apart for saying Michael McFadden looked good, but he was in position a lot of the times, but he's just, I don't know. Like there are some athletic capabilities that I think are a little bit limited with Michael McFadden, but he had a hell of a game. He had a hell of a game. And we're running through some of the Nick, plays. We did such YouTube a good right. job of, of stop. We, we, for a while had done a great job of not cursing on this podcast. Yeah. And I feel like we've totally regressed as a, as a duo in the last like two or three, but I think it's partially because the giants are getting their butts kicked. And I tried to be a little fan friendly, a little kid friendly there. I know some of you listen with your kids around. So we do, we do apologize yeah. to some extent. We will, we'll try our best, but sometimes, you know, in the heat of the moment, you might hear something. Speaking of hearing something, my dog's barking, so he obviously doesn't like us cursing. But watching Sean Robinson even on this play, I get that he's like moving to the play side to, to restrict it, but just like that, that's not maybe the best example, but the, it's just the Giants were just getting just manhandled up front, and that's not what we expect. Other than Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, who will go over, but those yes. are the two guys we don't expect to get manhandled. Like Dexter Lawrence, again, I get it. He's not getting the sacks. Looks fine on tape. I'm not worried about Dexter Lawrence whatsoever. I thought Leonard Williams had, an, had a great bounce back game. But where is Ashawn Robinson? Where is Rakeem Nunez Rochez? Where is Kayvon Thibodeau? Where is Boogie Basham? Where yeah. are these players, man? They're just not showing up. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. 
It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. This is Dan Schneier, the Big Blue Banter Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. And now Blue Wire currently has 300 shows with athletes, celebrities, passionate fans like myself. I found Blue Wire right around the time when I started the Big Blue Banter podcast. When I started Big Blue Banter in 2018, I had an idea for a show, a name for a show, and then I had to figure out how to monetize that show and grow that show. That's when I found Blue Wire. Kevin Jones put everything on the line for this company and then found us and this show a way to monetize the content with strategy sessions, provided us new segments, connect us with podcasters, and even gave us an opportunity to record in the Win Vegas studio. Blue Wire has now raised over $10 million privately to grow and operate the business, and they're raising another round right now on WeFunder to expand the sales team and improve the operations. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It gives everyone an opportunity to be a part of the growing startup. This is not a donation. You're investing to own a piece of BlueWire. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or you want to find out more information, go to WeFunder.com slash BlueWire. And remember, supporting BlueWire is another way to support our show and this podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your day. Look, when I'm hungry and I want to munch on something, whether the Giants are winning or losing, I always go with pizza. And Caesars is my go-to choice. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before NFL games and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. It could be sausage, pepperoni, you can combine toppings, you can get creative with whatever type of pie you want from Little Caesars. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, Everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're right. Ajan Robinson, incredibly disappointing on tape this game. And I will say this, and we'll get to more of it later, but I want to tease it now. I was really, really relieved and pleased with how good of a game Leonard Williams had. Leonard Williams looked a lot more like the player we thought he could be this year in this game than he did in week two, which I thought was the worst tape he's ever put together as a Giants player since joining this team. And I think he kind of felt that way too, given how well he played in week three. I Because this was a tougher matchup, right? You go against this this absolutely crap. I'm not going to say the S-H-I-T word, because then hopefully your kid can't spell. But I'm not, we go against this absolutely crap Cardinals interior offensive line. I'm talking crap. Like the three guys they tried it out. It might not be somehow, but like, and, and you're right, Nick. Like some, but you look at those names and these are like all undrafted guys in Will Hernandez. It's like a former second round bust. And like, I get, I get it. Maybe it might not be somehow because they did call against the Cowboys. But like it didn't even look like it was a matchup issue for Leonard Williams to me. It looked like it was more of just a him issue. And then he comes out with his hair on fire in this game. So I want to give him a lot of credit. I criticized him a lot last week. I was incredibly frustrated with his play. But this week he had one of the best games on film. So I, did, I we'll, we'll get more into that. But I wanted to, to say that to start, Nick. Yeah, I wanted to bring up some Lenny plays. I think I had them individually cut, but here's one of them if people want to see. Just so active with his hands. Because again, this is like 305, six foot five, 305 pounds, six foot five individual and he's moving very quick here and watch how he uses his hands to just break the contact of Aaron Banks work to the half man get hip to hip and then dip that inside shoulder and get right into the pocket to deliver a hit and of course it's still completed and this is on the play where he took the stupid freaking uh, uh roughing the passer penalty he does I guess land on him and I get like that's what they're they're calling that it's just so difficult to be a defensive player as we've brought up so many times in this podcast but you're right man he was he was doing well against the run he was shedding blocks he was penetrating he was doing everything that the Giants asked him to do he lived up maybe not to that contract because you can't really live up to that contract but he at least played to his potential which is definitely something that we didn't see through the first two weeks yeah and we'll get more into that as well Nick but uh, before we do that, let's talk about some other things that we saw in this game from the Giants defense. Uh, we talked about the pers- uh, the coverages they use. I can talk a little bit about the personnel. According to True Media, the Giants were in nickel 31.1% of the time, dime 1.3. And then according to True Media, a lot of base personnel, which isn't too surprising, 20.5% with three down linemen, 462 with four down linemen. And, you know, it's not all that surprising when you consider the matchup here. The 49ers are a run-heavy team, or they have a run-personnel-heavy team. They use fullbacks, they use extra tight ends at times. So I wasn't too surprised with that, Nick. I wanted to ask you a little bit, though, about a few other players in this game that I thought at times struggled, uh, specifically in the secondary. The first one I want to start with was, is Trey Hawkins. I felt like, Nick, this might have been his worst game so far as a rookie. Uh, and obviously, he hasn't even played that much. Week two, he, he had his snaps limited. Um, but... That third and eight that he lost on, I just felt like that was a textbook. I think it was the one to Jawan Jennings. 
he tried to get his hands up and press man. And I just felt like it was a textbook example of some of the things that we've seen these giants corners struggle with when it comes to landing that, that, that jam. And once you miss that, you immediately give up a, a separation. And on that same play, it was when they dropped Isaiah Simmons for in, into the deep half on a third and eight. And I also wonder, Nick, like, do we need to even get this cute with this type of stuff? Like I know Wink loves to have one guy deep. Um, and I shouldn't say deep half into the deep middle. I know he loves to have one guy deep, Nick, but, on a third and eight against Brock Purdy, like Brock Purdy threw one pass downfield the entire game. It was that Debo Samuel back shoulder against cover zero. Other than that, like they beat the Giants without even having to throw downfield. So sometimes I wonder if, if the coverages are a little too cute. I know I just threw a lot out there. I'm just curious to get your take on those two things. I think I think on that play, and this is something that Wink Martindale did a couple different times. We saw Isaiah Simmons drop to depth to be the middle of the field closed post safety. He did that when he was an Arizona Cardinal as well. He just gets very deep. And as you said as well, that's something that he likes. He likes those safety, that depth, so they can rally and tackle when he runs man coverage underneath. But the route concept was much more before that. I don't know if it's too cute, per se. This is something that Julian loved. This was a role that he executed a lot. It's just you can't lose inside like that yeah. if you're Trey Hawkins. Now, I'm wondering, and I don't think this is the case, and I tried to break down this play. Did Trey Hawkins think he had inside help? Judging, by how, wondering missed, too. Yep. judging by how he missed, it didn't necessarily seem like it, but... It's a possibility because Bobby Okereke is to the inside. But to me, it looks like Okereke's eyes are directly on Christian McCaffrey. And he's just kind of mirroring Christian McCaffrey the whole time. So I'm just looking who else would be that defender who sure. would be trying to get the middle of the field. I think that's actually, no, it's not McK it's not Okereke. I lied. It's Xavier McKinney. And I'm wondering if Xavier McKinney, I think Xavier McKinney is just on Christian McCaffrey. And if that's the case, then, and honestly, if you look at the throw, Dan, it's just so precise right over the top of Xavier McKinney. Because Trey Hawkins is beat to the inside on this third and eight play. And this is uh, goes for 24 yards to Jawan Jennings in the first quarter, in the beginning of the first quarter. Trey Hawkins, but that was one of his only bad coverage snaps. Yeah. Like, I didn't see much. The run defense like, was the bigger issue. Uh, well, it's the open field tackling and the run yep. defense. But the open, open field tackling was egregious. People are questioning Oh, that was a business decision. Like that's not a business decision. No. Trey Hawkins at third is a tough SOB. Watches old Dominion tape. That guy loves a tackle. It was against Elijah Mitchell, who just juked him out of his shoes. And then Debo Samuel a little bit later on. I think he ended up with three or four missed tackles in this game. That was problematic. Jason Pinnock, sure. very problematic with the missed tackles. The defensive backs in general were missing way too many tackles to the point where I'm like, this was not happening under Julian Love. Exactly. That's a good he point. Won. You made that case. And and look, and I've said it from the past. I remember talking about this with James Betcher defense all the time. This is before we did the pod, Nick. If you have that third level, if that third, this was the case with Darian Thompson in that year, they had Thompson oh. and I believe it was Bethea, Antoine Bethea at like 36 years old. Dave Gettleman signed him at 36. It's a great job, Dave. Um, the year they had those two back there. If you don't have that third level tackling well, like that third level is taking bad reads to the football, taking bad angles and then missing tackles. Your defense is like shot for the year. It really is. You have no shot. So like, it, this has to improve from Jason Pinnock. This has to improve from Trey Hawkins. If they want to stay on the field, these guys have to improve their open field tackling. They must. And I'm wondering what they're going to do against the 11 personnel package of the Seattle Seahawks, where you have DK Metcalf and you have Tyler Lockett and you have JSN. Is Darnay Holmes going to be dressed for that game? Darnay Holmes, great tackle in this game. Showed what he can there, but then held on the play where it yeah. should have been an interception. And it's just like... You can't, I don't think, I think that's going to be a one and done kind of thing for the Giants almost. Like they're going to look at the film and be like, we can't afford to have him out there against JSN. But 
we'll see. We'll see, I guess. I mean, you can make the if Banks is hurt, we may not have option an option. So yeah, exactly. You can make the argument with Banks hurt. You just yeah. have to move a Dory Jackson back to the outside and bring yeah. Darnay Holmes up. Gordo flies just like, he's not even dressing for some of these games. And it's just like, what the hell's going on with this guy? Is he developing? I don't know. Is he going to play slot? He's going to play outside. Nobody really knows. It's not a great situation in the secondary. And I don't know if we have received any word on the banks injury, but if banks misses this game, just take a deep breath. And that's yeah. saying this about a rookie, but that's the state yeah. of the secondary right now. But he's played really well. He gave the touchdown. That wasn't his best play. But outside of that touchdown he gave up, he's played really, really well. And he's been sneaky in coverage. And they're not, they can't afford to lose that type of player right now. There's been like weirdly no update on this arm injury for Banks. Uh, I know he was supposed to go for an MRI. We didn't get results back yet of that. So we'll just have to play that one by ear. DJ Davidson, too. He went down. And I want to say one thing, and I know That's we're jumping around. But just talking. To, bro, DJ Davidson, the last two games. He, he's the one out there for Jordan Riley. Maybe the Giants don't believe Jordan Riley's up to speed enough. But DJ maybe Davidson, they love has, Davidson, right? Looks good. He looked good. good, and he ended up – it looked bad from the all-22 angle. That was a fucked up play, too. I did it again. I'm sorry again to yeah. the people listening, but that was yeah. an effed up play. I don't know if it was a dirty play. Some people say that, like, he, he got his arm caught up, which is so hard to know, but it looked, yeah, yeah. It looked bad on film. Yeah, all the guys' weight, all the guard or the center, whoever Ugh. it was, his weight like fell right on the elbow, and the elbow bent the wrong way. It was, ah. just, yeah. But DJ, man, he's a football player. He had that yeah, one. He had a PB, yeah, the one GH counter play action would have went for a huge play. But DJ Davidson knocked it down at the line of scrimmage. Like the linebackers bit so hard on that. There was just nothing except for a wide open Debo. <laughs> and by <laughs> and the DJ way, was, Nick, look, like the fact that DJ Dave Davidson looked that good on tape, it's makes like people are like, oh, it's a depth injury. Don't worry too much about it. Well, if Ashawn Robinson's playing this bad and if Nacho's not really contributing, it does matter, right? Like at that point, like this is a key piece to your defense because they haven't been playing Dexter and Leo as much. And that's by design. They they looked at their last year film. They're like, we can't afford sustain these guys playing that many snaps. So I am a little worried about the Ashawn to me is becoming a big problem. Like I, I you're going to give this guy $8 million and he's going to look like this on tape. I get it. The matchup sucks. It's Trent Williams. He's the best left tackle in football. But like, like you said, he just got bitched at times. He did. He did. And we cursed again, but I'll say this. <laughs> he speaks Serbian, apparently, according to I think <laughs> Charlie Carroll. After the game, they were talking to him about the game and he just ended up breaking out in Serbian. And I, I don't even know how they were able to be like, Oh wow, that's Serbian. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, I speak in some Eastern European shit. Like, I have no idea. But yeah, it was um the, the defensive line has been a big disappointment, not because of the two top dogs, it's the depth that the Giants added. And you're right. Maybe Jordan Riley can be that player now yeah. who steps in if DJ Davidson is out for an extended period of time. But I think DJ Davidson, arguably, and I know he's playing a slightly different role and maybe not getting as many snaps as the other two, he's been the third best defensive lineman on the Giants. Yeah. And that's a huge issue with the addition of Nacho and uh, Robinson. And you could say that about the entire line. And that's what we can get into next, Kayvon Thibodeau, because, yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau had a quote-unquote sack in this game, but you guys saw yeah, it right is. there. That's not much of a sack to me. Right? And who, who really deserves a sack on this play? Right, DJ Davidson. DJ Davidson. This is Davidson's sack as far as I'm concerned. Thibodeau comes in and cleans it up. Good job. He's barely behind the line of scrimmage for a one-yard loss. Like Thibodeau, man, I know he dropped into coverage a ton in this game, which is just getting weird with how often they're doing that. I guess it's just part of the plan, but man, I don't go crazy with this, Nick. I told you this before the podcast. I know I, we don't, we especially don't like to put too much weight on this, but it's worth something that his PFF grade is the third worst edge out of 103 people in the entire NFL. I mean, that's an insane, like just 
He was never that bad last year, according to their grades. Again, we don't want to make too much of their grades. I find their grades to be pretty subjective for the most part. And I don't love their grading scale, which to me has never really been fully explained or properly explained. And I don't really think there's a good basis behind it. But to some extent, I mean, you could see it on the tape too. He's just not winning a lot and he's just not doing a lot for the Giants. No, he's not. And we discussed this a little bit earlier, I think in the week with Kayvon Thibodeau. He just, to me, he looks indecisive even on this game tape. We definitely said that in week two, but he looked indecisive on this game tape. I don't want to say he's out of it because that has a lot of negative connotations, but it does seem like he's going through something mentally. Or there's something there. There's some sort of block where that fire isn't exactly there. And with Kayvon, he doesn't get to that second pass rushing move. He kind of tries to use power or he tries to use speed. And then once he's in a position to where he could really take advantage of a vulnerable tackle because of his natural God-given abilities of getting a tackle off balance or whatever he does, whether it's power or speed, he doesn't employ a secondary move to finish him as they would in Mortal Kombat. That's my problem with Kayvon Thibodeau. He still has a talent. You could see there's sparks there, but he doesn't have a lot of moves to maximize each one of his reps. And he's just kind of relying on, oh, well, hope I get this guy off balance with all of my power and then discard him instead of, Hey, let me get him off balance with my power and then use a move to separate. doesn't really have that move to separate. And I don't even know if there's really a pass rush plan there either. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it hasn't been a good start to the seat. Number five. And, and here's a crazy stat, by the way, Nick, this is courtesy of um, PFF, Steve and our lads, uh, Dave, David Cyberson from our lads, the most pressures through week three so far, Nick, Max Crosby, 19 leads the NFL alongside Aiden Hutchinson, who was selected a few picks before gave on Thibodeau with 19 TJ Watt, 19 miles Garrett, 18 Micah Parsons, 17, the giants edges have combined for nine total. Jeez, that's even more than I thought it would be. It is actually more than I thought it would be too. But I also feel like pressures, by the way, like, yes, I believe that pressures are more, way more important than sacks as a general thought process. But I think pressures to me, Nick, and I know we've gone over this, some things that are considered pressures, I know me and you have a little bit of a qualm with some of what they grade as pressures uh, versus what the film says. Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't know. I know Andre Patterson his he has his own way of grading yes. the pressures and it's probably a little bit more open than than what PFF does. I think he would grade more pressures. It's like any kind of alteration to the quarterback is yes. going to be a pressure in his book. And I I kind of understand that as well, but I'm not seeing that from the edges. And you're talking about a defensive game plan where you send pressure on 80% of dropbacks. And I know right. that's going to open up some for Okereke and some for Pinnock and some for all these other defenders, but the edge rushers too, Dan they need to win those one-on-ones because they've had those one-on-ones schemed up. And I've seen KT get eliminated by tight ends and, and Kyle use check and, and all these types of players. And I just, I, that, that, that can't happen for your fifth overall pick. It just can't. No, it can't. And the giants, we we've gotten to that point. Look, <laughs> we're not calling him a bust. And I still think that's way too premature, but we're at the point where we are even ourselves starting to say that we need to see a lot more from cave on Thibodeau. And the questions deserve to be asked at this point. Yeah, man. So I just ran through a bunch of plays though. And we, we saw some, some good coverage from Deontay Banks. He's sticky. He's, he's in the hip pocket of a lot of these, these players. Yep. I think I went over one of the sacks, which was the Kayvon Thibodeau one. We, we broke that down a little bit. We saw Deontay Banks with the PBU in the end zone. That could have been an interception, but man, dude, just to go over the overall, if I had to nail down one theme of this podcast, it's that the 49ers just outmuscled the giants to a, a point of embarrassment. And I really saw it on the defensive line outside of Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, which says a lot because we were so excited about those two and the additions that they made. 
But if we want to get positive at all, Dexter Lawrence looked like Dexter Lawrence in this game. It was a very difficult assignment for the interior of the 49ers offensive line. I would say that he looked like, I feel like kind of feel like he's looked like himself the whole season. I know a lot of giants fans have taken some exception to that. I just ultimately feel like he's been let down a lot by the players around him, which makes his job even more difficult. But I agree with you. He had a really good game. He had a couple run stops that were just phenomenal that we might have a chance to go over at some point. And I give credit to Leonard Williams. Both those players I thought had great games in this. They were the two giants defenders. And I'm going to throw Deontay Banks in that mix as well, Nick, because I think until the injury banks had one bad rep, of course the touchdown, but outside of that, it's like you said, sticking coverage almost had an interception too. Um, but I have one more player I want to get. I'm going to let, let, let's keep it on here for now. And we can show this. This is the play I was taught. This is my favorite play of the game from Dexter Lawrence. Like watch if you're on the YouTube right now, watch how well he, like he pushes the, 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 the offensive lineman through the play and then works back toward the cutback. Like this is just, what are you supposed to do as a 49ers offensive line? When we see this happen to the giants, this is how we feel help. This is a, this is an excellent play just from the giants. It might've been the best run fitting play. Let's his own play, but still like a best played in terms of their run defense. Cause Dexter Lawrence, man, he's in that front side gap, front side gap, front side gap, force the cut back. And then he closes the cutback lane. And a Sean Robinson is excellent in backside pursuit on this play. And Micah McFadden is right where he needs to be as well. So that's just all three of them yeah. are right in position to make the tackle. This is textbook run defense from the giants. And if you look to the front side of the play, Kayvon Thibodeau, let's get a little positivity around number five, little Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon who just sets this edge very well to the inside. See, so he just pushes 82 off and presents himself, forcing that cutback lane. So I just think the Giants played this excellently. Unfortunately, a lot of plays they did not execute nearly to this level throughout the game. And I would say this, Nick, I think overall, I'm curious to get your take on this. Would you say that given the matchup, given that you're facing the best run schemer in the NFL right now, besides maybe Mike McDaniel at this point, that you've yeah, seen going on over there, like, yeah. That's freaking awesome watching that. I watched that whole film this week. That offense looked unbelievable, Nick. That is, in my opinion, he might be better than Shanahan right now, which is crazy to even think about. I mean, he was the run game coordinator, by the way, for the 49ers, so you expect that maybe as. But, you know, given all that, I feel like the run defense actually wasn't as bad in this game as it was against the Cardinals. I think there was, like, some notable improvement. You just showed that play. I felt like there were a few plays that were positive. It's just, like, the consistency. That's what you're That's what you're getting at, and I, and it's, like, the consistency just isn't there. It's the consistency, and it's also just getting your ass kicked at the point of attack, which the yeah. Giants, every time they ran to Trent Williams, it was like, yeah. oof, like Trent Williams like putting people down. The only time Trent Williams, I was like, oh, was the time Micah McFadden kind of ran him over, and Trent Williams held him and dragged him to the ground a little bit. McFadden's got a little bit more power and push to him than I think we give him credit for. Yeah. He hit him, and he's low. McFadden's not the biggest guy, and he kind of drove Trent Williams backwards to the point where Williams had to grab a hold of him, and they both ended up tumbling down and falling over. But the, uh, the the play side runs to Trent Williams were where were I had a big issue. That Especially, is just, it's, you know, it's okay too, man. I know we already yeah, touched on it, but. Yep, no, it belongs. Not, we have to touch on it more. I mean, Okereke had a, another bad game. Okereke to me is just so, he's just not instinctual for whatever reason right now. I don't know if that's who he is. It's not what he looked like in Indianapolis. I felt like he was better in that system. Maybe it's the system issue right now. He doesn't trust it yet. He was, I don't know. I mean, you could probably tell me better than I could, but. I feel like part of what you were saying before also was like, and you, you I know you, you brought this up to me before the pod and it's, and I've felt this way for a while. I've had a long debate with some friends that like, in my opinion, it's closer than people think Kittle versus Kelsey as best tight in the NFL, because Kittle is essentially an extra offensive lineman. You have a third, six offensive yeah. lineman on the field. Every time he's on the field, 
Kelsey does not offer anything like that in the run game, anything close to that. Basically, no one does in the NFL now that Gronk has retired. And he also offers something as a receiver, a lot as a receiver, maybe not as much, yeah. obviously not as much as Kelsey, but he's also then doubling as a blocker. Like it's, it's insane to have that advantage to me. And that was obvious in this game too, as you brought up and we could both see it on the film. Like Kittle makes a massive impact when you have Kittle and Williams on the same side. It's like an auto win for the 49ers an auto loss for the giants. Use check too. Like how many times yeah, did we use see awesome. to the play side, to Trent Williams side, you line George Kittle right off his ass. They just down block the four technique by four techniques dead yep. eliminated. And then use check was used in motion to lead block for Christian McCaffrey. They kept doing that. And it just kept working because use check would just go and take out the edge. And then the edge was eliminated. And now you have Deontay banks against like Debo Samuel on the block. And then these yeah. safeties who were at the come down to execute their run fit. And to be honest with you, neither McKinney or Pinnock, was impressive in terms of tackling in this game. Not at all. And so, that's what I wanted to get to next, by the way, Nick, like yeah, this the is transition. the biggest. <laughs> yeah. Because we've talked about my major disappointment feelings in, and you as well, you know, Carrick a and Robinson, their two biggest free agent signings of the entire off season, essentially. Now let's talk about someone who we've at times felt like this could be the big piece, a guy that we easily resigned to a second contract a guy that can be, a major part of the Giants turnaround, a guy who's a captain this year, Xavier McKinney. Where is the magic that once was with Xavier McKinney? When he had that year in Patrick Graham's system, his final year, it was magical, man. He was a hawk in deep coverage. He almost led, did he lead the NFL in interceptions? He was either one off or he tied for the lead in interceptions in the NFL. And that was despite playing with like nothing on the defense side of the ball. That personnel was horrific that year, in my opinion, outside of McKinney. Like there was holdovers. Leonard Williams was there, but like, that was not a good team. This defense has more talent in my opinion. And I haven't seen that same magic out of Xavier McKinney in a long time at this point, Nick. And I'm just like curious what the hell is going on with Xavier McKinney. He's a better player than this, but he's not looking like it. I think he just aligns too much near the line of scrimmage. I agree with that. We, apl we applauded that move, right? Like, yeah, he gets the blitz. Like he did it with Nick Saban. Yippee skippy boo. And we thought it yep. was going to work out. I think it's actually been a net negative. Yep. For he's better in coverage. He's better in coverage. Go over those five interceptions uh, from 2021, just remembering some of them. He had the one against Hunter Renfro in the slot. He drove yep. down. That was a very nice, just diagnosing play. One in center field against the uh, Hertz. Whoever, whoever the uh, one against Hertz, right? Yeah, that was that was a uh, that was a bad throw by Hertz. Bad decision. Bad I think throw. That was middle of the field close, cover one, or it was cover three. He worked himself over there to the short side of the field too. Ended up coming down. Had a Matt Staff or not Matt Stafford, whoever the Rams quarterback was. I don't know if it was Stafford at that point. He ended up getting an interception off that, off like a tip. But they were all in the center field. Or yep. they were they were in the uh, secondary. They weren't near the line of scrimmage. And I like that. I think he's a smart player and how he blitzes and how he gets PBUs. Does a good job there. I don't think it's maximizing his talent though. And I, I understand that this is a positionless defense, but I do think he's being a little bit underutilized. But at the same time, I say that and I'm like, well, you still should be able to come down with your tackles. I don't have. Yeah. Uh, I could pull up. I could pull up his missed tackles from from the game. The Giants ended up missing like 16 tackles in this game. Yep. McFadden had three, Hawkins had three, Pinnock had three, Okereke had three, and McKinney had two. So even like like even in those situations, you need Xavier McKinney to step up. And I'm just wondering, like, look, this guy's in a contract year. I don't know what the Giants' plans are long term because he was built up like, hey, this guy could be like a star safety. You know, he ends up having that really good sophomore season. Remember, he had a slow start in his rookie year because he had the injury, didn't come back to the Bengal game. But we haven't seen any sort of progression upward. If anything, it's either stagnated or I don't want to say it went down, but 
we need to start seeing some ball production and maybe see him more yes. in the second in the back half of the defense because he's not really making that much of an impact near the line of scrimmage and using him in man coverage he can do it but is that his best is that the best way to use him i think i'd rather have him be that post safety rather than jason pinnock but i don't know if pinnock can be a man covering player either that's another yeah exactly i don't think there's another issue with this defense. there's another issue right there it's like almost like are they using him like this out of necessity but the point being at this stage of it nick like Three games in, there's no way that we can sit here and say McKinney deserves a second big contract and this is a lock for us, right? Like we're at the point where, and this was the first screen I was talking about where I just hated Okereke on this. I just thought he was so slow to get over and make a play. Like This is your guy who's supposed to be making a play on this to stop this from going from 19, in my opinion. He's the guy. It's not even just that. It's also Pinnock, too. Sorry to cut you off. But, like, Pinnock gets caught up by Okereke. Watch, Okereke gets blocked by Aaron Banks. And then Pinnock, I don't know why, but he sets to the inside. Yeah, why is he doing that? That's crazy. I'm not sure. All your defenders, like, you want to box. You want to box Debo Samuel into Xavier McKinney. Dexter. Yeah. Sets right. That's just a bad move. Force him inside. Banks can't be the fourth player. He sucked up way too far on the block yep. by 10. So Pinnock, I'm not 100% certain what he's doing there, but that's not the only, like this is the first on that drive. This is a right. third and 15 in the second quarter, 1348 left. And there's another one I'm going to pull up here in a bit where it's not even like the Giants sent the house. The Giants actually had numbers to make the t- They just didn't freaking make the tackle. And that comes down to execution. Correct. And that's going to be a bigger issue for the Giants as we have to think about moving forward. As far as the McKinney thing goes, I do have a little bit of regret there just because I, I remember that whole pre-draft process. I wanted Antoine Winfield so badly. And then McKinney quote unquote fell and it felt like a great value pick, but Winfield's been the clear, better player so far at this point in their career. Obviously McKinney got injured as well, but Winfield's like unbelievable back there for Tampa. Yeah. It looks like on the third and 13, Isaiah Simmons does get held up a little bit. Yeah. It, it, it could have been a hold. They, they didn't, they should have probably called a hold here. On, I think it was Banks. Is that Banks out there? I don't know who. No, it's seventy. It's seventy-four. It's not Banks. But I'm wondering if if McKinney or I mean if Simmons could just flow outside, anticipate this a little bit more with all the linemen around him. Maybe he was a little bit slow to anticipate that this is going to be a screen. It sold well, but at this point, you got to beeline to the outside, and he gets caught up. But that's also just kind of pulling hairs a little bit. And then there's just no one else to flow over the top to help Simmons out. You have Okereke, who's also late, and he has a lineman in front of him. It's just a well-executed screen, something the Giants know very little to nothing about. Yeah, somehow, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been rough. Like, we went through this pod. We're, we're already 40 minutes in, and we've, we've had a lot of negative things to say. The only positives, I think, were McFadden sort of right like some of the flash yeah. plays but then had some bad plays leonard and dexter for sure i mean they were positive then Deontay's fine even though we gave up a right thanks before the injury but it's not great right now nick that's for certain um do you have any other plays you want to go over before we get into uh some some awards we're handing out some superlatives I don't have plays per se, but I just wanted to say I, I loved the game plan. We opened the show with that yes. the philosophy, the pressure dictate but it wasn't even just blitzing. I felt like Wink Martindale was pulling all of the rabbits out of the hats in terms of twists, in terms of the way he was sending pressure. Saw some of the stuff that we saw mid-season against teams like Green Bay and Baltimore, where you have basically a double twist with the ends, but they start basically in the A-gap, and then they loop around all three of the crashing defensive linemen. It's a longer-developing type of twist. But my point in bringing this up is just the amount of pressure and the amount of diversification within the pressure just to try and do something. But the Giants are just outmatched. They're not nearly 
as talented as a team like the 49ers, unfortunately. Yeah, you know that, that this, it wasn't a good matchup for them. And we'll have to bury that tape just like the Giants did and move on to Seattle for an all-important game. But let's hand out some superlatives, Nick, before we get out of here. I want to start with unheralded player of the game. Who was your pick for unheralded player of the game? Has to be Leonard Williams. He was everywhere in this matchup against the run, against the pass. Very nice bounce back game from Big Lenny. He has to, making that much money, you need to have an impact. Yeah, he gets it for me too, Leonard Williams. I, I just, like I said earlier, I loved loved how shot out of a cannon he was in this game. It looked like to me he was playing at a different speed than he was in week two. How about highest effort player? I think we have the same one here too. It's Micah McFadden. He was everywhere as well. Just seemed very smart and dialed in. Micah McFadden's issues aren't as much with the instincts anymore. Like we no. thought that was it from week two. Uh, from from the year one, we saw a bunch of mental processing issues and we saw maybe a couple plays in week two, but I didn't see really many at all in this one in terms of fitting the run, in terms of coverage. It was all just I, athletic limitations and just not breaking down and executing the right tackle technique. Yep, you nailed that one. How about, uh, and he's my pick as well. How about your favorite play call? I think we might have a different one here. Uh, I just said all the pressure, just okay. the attempt to dictate. It was the overall philosophy, which was my favorite play call. I like the third and goal from the 10 and 8.53 in the first quarter, the New York Banks interception. I just love a good A-gap a pressure, um, and I just thought it was really well executed by the Giants. They put they knocked Purdy off his spot, forced him to relocate a different landmark to throw from, and the ball was bad ball placement because of it. So I like that one. Best player on film overall. I think we're going to have the same one here. It's Dexter Lawrence. <laughs> he was also everywhere and just yeah. – absolute pain in the ass like everybody in the 49ers locker room on offense was probably like celebrating and then there was just one guy with a bunch of band-aids and bruises and you know a black eye that was whoever was blocking dexter lawrence because he's still getting in there you're right and dexter lawrence was my pick as well uh, i would say leonard gave him a run for his money he had a really good game too but it's going to be dexter yeah. lawrence for me as well players we expected to see more from this is taking over for what we did last year disappointing players i just think this is framed better i have a bunch of players here okarake yeah. playing way too slow for me McKinney not making plays. Kayvon, I'm throwing in the mix finally. I just I get it. He drops and covers a lot, but we're just not seeing plays. And then Ashawn Robinson, we've gone over at length. Just a really bad game for him. Especially, I mean, they paid him $8 million, like for a D lineman, interior dude. Like he was supposed to be a difference maker in my mind in ways that maybe don't show up in the box score, but like to the film heads like us, like the people who are actually watching the game, like he was supposed to be a big trench piece that can really help them win up front and they get dominated up front. And he's a big reason they were dominated. So that was disappointing to me as well. Yeah, I was trying to look at his PFF uh, numbers in terms of not just the grades, but he ended up having one pressure and he was actually credited with five tackles, but they had to be some of the more nondescript tackles I've ever seen because there wasn't really any moment other than that play that we went over where it was like great play, but that was a collective effort from the New York Giants. I just, we need to see more. And it just seemed like the bad plays were really bad. And maybe that's one yeah. reason why he was in his head and ended up kind of throwing some sort of a punch at Williams. And then he ended up getting punched and got punched so hard. He started talking Serbian. I had no <laughs> idea what happened there. I don't know about that Serbian thing either. That was definitely weird. I didn't even know Asian Robinson was Serbian at all or had any Serbia in, in him. I know actually I have a couple friends who are Serbian though. So I, I, they have a lot of pride in their country. Um, so for sure, I just, I, maybe I'll ask them next time what he said. I'll have them translate for me or something like that. Nick. All right. Let's do, <laughs> yeah. If I can find that clip, let's do a pass rushing grade one through 10. This one's a weird one for me. I, I have a grade and I saw your grade, but like, am I, Basing it, like, do I factor in that they blitzed 84% of the time or whatever, 86% of the time, whatever it's it was? Not, like, Yeah. I, like, they got pressure, but, like, it wasn't with wins one-on-one, -on -one, really, except for Leonard Williams twice and some from Dexter Lawrence. So, 
I don't know. What do you where do you grade this one? I went with a 4.8, mainly because yeah. Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. But the edges, if I had to grade the edges, even though Kayvon had a sack, it'd probably be like a two. Yeah, and that I wasn't was like, a good it, sack at all by Kayvon. That's not the it was a heady, it was intelligent just to know yeah, that he's gonna fine. step up, but he got basically chipped down to the ground by use right. check. And Juszczyk released into a route, and nobody was blocking him. He was just standing there, and then he just went in. Smart play, but a lot of it was just, well, most of it was set up by DJ Davidson winning yeah. inside. It was a one-on-one matchup. Completely agree. I went 4-4 for that one. Similar reasons. Run defense grade. What is, what's your thought there? I had a 5-2. There were a couple All plays. Right. Again, I, I think just to the play side, that would be, of Trent Williams, it would be a lot lower than a 5-2. But overall, I'd, I felt like um, they did a solid job considering the opponent they were going up against. It's just, you hate to see your your defensive lineman not named Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams just kind of getting tossed around like we saw with Trent Williams and George Kittle on those combo blocks. Like those, that's really where I had a big issue, but a five, two isn't that bad. Yeah. It's, it's five, eight for me, despite the fact that I had issues with what you just went over and the linebacker play. I just thought McFadden had some really heady plays and some really decisive plays, which I liked. I gave him credit for that. There were some run stops. I wasn't expecting the giants got that they get or get that they got. So five, eight for me there. All right, Nick, anything else on this? Yeah, let's do an impromptu open field tackling. What do you have there? (laughs) A 1-6. Yeah, dude. Oh, geez. The open field tackling. And we didn't even really go over a lot of those plays. They were just horrendous. We don't want to make people watch those again. That's horrendous, dude. Long week. Hopefully some players are coming back, especially on the offense side of the ball. Giants open as favorites against the Seahawks, which is a good sign. Vegas is usually on to it. Man, Nick, we need this win so bad. So stay tuned. Big Blue Banter. It's only Monday. We're recording these both on Monday. Maybe one will drop. Maybe they'll drop Tuesday. I don't know yet. But we'll have some content coming this week to preview what's coming, uh, where the Giants have been at so far, some thoughts on that, and also what's coming up with the Seattle game. Because this, again, is going to make or break, in my opinion, the Giants season. Thanks again for tuning in. If you want to help us grow, please make sure you hit the like button on any video you watch ever on YouTube and subscribe. Hit the alert button. Also, if you listen on iTunes or Spotify, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you download, not just play, download. That's what we need. And if you haven't already, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We are close to 1,000 ratings, which we were always trying to get to. But, like, we've been stuck at 934 for a while. I'm looking not a lot of reviews lately except from uh, None, who said that he thinks the All-22 reviews are too long. I appreciate your criticism, but also there's a lot to talk about, None. And I know some people like the long ones, so it's hard for, you know, there's, Pluses and minuses to both, but let's get a positive review in there. Let's get a five-star in there. Someone hit us up, say something you like about the show, help us grow, help us get to 1K ratings. I don't know, man. It's not going to take you two seconds. I would do it for you. That's all I know, and I think Nick would too. So thank you so much for listening and tuning in again. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. Man.